What happens when you lose something you thought you'd always have? What happens when the thing you lose is one of your senses? My name is Bette Klein, and I'm deaf. That wasn't the case a year ago. Now that my life has been upended, I have to figure out how to carve out a new path for myself and navigate my way down it. Easier said than done. Seen and Not Heard, an audio drama about hearing loss and deaf gain, is available wherever you find your podcasts. Hello there, and welcome to Camp Havenside. As you may have read from the podcast description, this show is a seasonal anthology horror podcast, meaning that every season is its own separate and unrelated story, and you can start with any season when listening to it. If you are a fan of hemophobia and you would like the show to continue to exist, please support the Patreon at any tier from 3 to 7 to $15 a month. In return, you'll receive early access to new episodes, a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears, and even access to virtual live shows wherein I perform material from hemophobia streamed for all of you. Also included is access to the patron-only Discord server where you can chat with myself, chat with other fans, and also have access to regular live streams as well. Join the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cswhorror, no dots, no dashes, and the link for it is down in the description as well. If you are a fan of Hemophobia and other podcasts as well, you can always support the show by subscribing to Apollo Plus. Apollo is an audio fiction-only podcatcher app with the best interface I have seen in any podcatcher app, and by subscribing to their paid service Apollo Plus for just $10 a month, you'll receive a variety of content such as early access to episodes, ad-free listening, and bonus episodes as well, from shows like the SCP Archives, 13, and Mayfair Watchers Society. From Hemophobia, you will receive early access to new episodes, as well as ad-free listening, and other perks along the way. You can access Apollo Plus by downloading the Apollo Podcasts app, or by going to www.apollopods.com. The link is in the episode notes as well. And of course, if you enjoy hemophobia, go ahead and pause the episode now and leave a five-star rating and review on whatever podcatcher that you listen to. It really does help. Now presenting, Camp Havenside. As always, hemophobia is a horror podcast and thus contains very graphic content. All content warnings can be found in the episode notes down below. The role of Sam and the blood are played by CSW. The role of Grace is played by Kayla Temshiv. The role of Shane is played by Mason Amadeus. The role of Molly is played by Brooke Jeanette. The role of Judith is played by Annika Hansen. The role of Timothy is played by Brad Colebrook. The role of Thatcher is played by James Oliva. The role of Calvin Sanders is played by Jordan Reed. The role of Dennis Reeves is played by Ian Eberson. The role of Heather is played by Tal Manier. The role of Malcolm Gray is played by Graham Rowett. Ensemble is played by Dustin Parsons, Caroline Minx, Tucker, and Haberlin Roberts. The choir is made up of Brooke Jeanette, Mason Amadeus, Haberlin Roberts, Caleb Ritchie, Atticus White, and Noel Woolery. Additional vocals contributed by Annika Hansen. All writing and sound design by CSW. Enjoy Wednesday Part 1, and look out for Wednesday Part 2, coming Wednesday, January 17th. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Wednesday. Was there king? He had ten thousand men. He marched them up the hill and then he marched them down again. Now when you're up, you're up, and when you're down, you're down, and when you're only halfway up, you're either up or down. Sam sat, panting. Watched Dennis descend the chapel stage and hand the microphone to Calvin. Calvin carried it with him to the stage. He looked out to address the campers. Sam looked away from him, turned toward Molly and Shane. Shane was looking at the floor, eyes hidden in his hair. Molly's eyes were blank, unblinking. They were staring straight toward the stage. Sam followed her gaze. She didn't seem to be looking at Calvin. She seemed to be looking at the twig-built cross at the back of the stage, behind him. Sam watched as cabin mates tidy up their bunks, allotted 15 minutes by the camp schedule to do so. Sam sat motionless in his bunk. He turned to look at the neighboring bunk. Shane was carefully organizing his laundry and bedsheets. It wasn't long before most of the cabin had emptied. Shane was faced away from Sam. Sam opened his mouth. So... So, Shane... Yeah? How was... last night? The folding paused. A dark green blanket was in Shane's hands. He resumed folding. Why do you ask? Just... curious, I... saw something going on in your... Your bunk. Shane kept folding. Sam looked around. The rest of the cabin was empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So what, Sandwich? Do you remember, like, me? Waking up? Shane set the blanket down at the foot of his bunk. He let his arms fall slowly to his sides. His right hand was in a closed fist. What's that? I sort of woke up in the middle of it, sorry. I kind of thought you knew, because when I looked up, you were 
staring at me like, like right at me. Huh. I was, I was staring at you. Yeah. His right hand kept in a fist, twitching. Well, I, I, I mean, let's just say I was a little busy at the moment. I, uh, <laughs> I had my mind on other things. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really recall looking at you or anything. Yeah, yeah, not, I mean, like, I was sleepy. I was probably still really groggy. I might have just thought I... Uh, yeah, already. Whatever you say, man. Shane hopped onto his bunk and beneath the sheets. He settled his head onto the pillow turned still away from Sam. You, uh, gonna make it to morning sports? I'll get there. Alright. Uh, see you there. Sam set out toward the flagpole area where Frisbee would be commencing in a few minutes. He passed the other boys' cabins, stepped over the concrete pathways, He crossed the dirt and gravel road. I'm not sure. They found her in the bathroom this morning, all pale and... unconscious. He passed the angular wooden bench around the tree, past the distant girls' cabins on his left. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sam stopped walking. He turned toward a nearby bench. Two weeping girls sat under the shade of a tree, hidden but audible. One held her face in her hands, shaking. He walked closer. So, Malcolm's coming then? Yeah, I think he should be here any minute now. Sam approached them. Judith's dad is coming here? The girls nodded. Why? Thatcher did not know what had happened. Thatcher did know that Timothy was safe, stable. He did know that was what mattered. After carrying him back in his own arms, after listening to Timothy's lungs and heart, after speaking to him and interpreting the wordless nods and head shakes, Thatcher did know he was okay. He did look up, at Timothy, across the nurse's office from him. He did see Timothy sleeping, breathing, breathing normally. He did know he was okay. Thatcher did see that as enough to make an ambulance unnecessary, and he did try to contact Timothy's parents, did find that they were on a cruise somewhere, unreachable. He did agree with Calvin that Timothy was best kept there in the nurse's office, away from any possible stressors. And Thatcher did stay there with him for all of it. So he did hear about Judith before anybody else. He did see her brought in that morning, carried by Heather and the camp nurse into the second room of the nurse's office. 
he did hear the details. Did hear of the bathhouse doors cracked and nearly caved in. The stall door practically broken off its hinges. The deadbolt bent in half and thrown halfway across the room. He did hear how she was found, half naked and collapsed on the floor of the stall. He did see her, pale and dirt caked, fingers and forehead bleeding. She was breathing. She was breathing and not doing anything else. Thatcher did try. He did try to get a response. Judith did not follow the finger before her eyes. Did not respond to anything he or the nurse said. Did not do anything but breathe. Normally. Thatcher did call her father as well. He did remember the response. No. No. No ambulance. We don't need that. The Lord will deliver. Thatcher did as he was told. Malcolm was to arrive sometime that morning. Thatcher did not see any sign of him yet. Until he arrived, it was Thatcher, and the nurse, and the two campers. That was what Thatcher did know. Thatcher did not know what had happened that night. The nurse said it would have been an extremely stressful situation for Timothy's inhaler to fail. She said it may have been an asthma attack brought on by a panic attack. Heather said Judith had likely spent all night in the bathroom stall. Said the bathhouse door and stall door had been nearly destroyed. That it was possibly an animal attack. She considered an intruder having done so, but the nurse said that other than her nails and her forehead, there was no sign of major injury. There was just Judith and Timothy, neither speaking, both alive. Thatcher did not know what had happened that night, and he did not know why it was the same night. The same night as each other. He did not know what he was to make of that. Thatcher did look at Timothy again. He did watch his chest rise and fall. He did try to picture what situation it had been. What extremely stressful situation. Thatcher did look back up, walk over to the door. He did swallow. Hey, Malcolm. Hello, Thatcher. Malcolm was tall. He wore a pale blue lumberjack shirt and blue jeans. Thatcher did not remember seeing him ever wear anything but a Sunday suit. His hair was still combed and slicked, and he was standing just as straight as he did behind a pulpit every week. He looked hard at Thatcher. Thatcher did not look back. Where is she? Uh, oh, over here. 
Thatcher did turn around. He did walk Malcolm to the second room of the nurse's office, to Judith's bedside. Malcolm sat by her bed. He stared at her for many moments. He hung his head. Thatcher did see his hands clasped together in prayer. Thatcher did walk over to Timothy, did look at his wearied, pale face, reposed in sleep. Thatcher did remember their last conversation, did remember their last several conversations, each more weary than the previous, and did recall distinctly Timothy's stress, his social anxieties, his fears of what camp would be like. Did know know in his heart of hearts that he would rip his heart out for the kid. And he did remember telling him that. And he did remember... Thorn. Jason Thorn. Thatcher did stop. He did listen. Timothy did not say anything more. He did not open his eyes. Timothy? He did not say anything more. Thatcher did know the name. He did not know how Timothy knew it. He did remember things. He did remember many things. Things he did not know how to forget. No matter how hard he tried. The empty dorm room. Empty except for him and him. The moment of connection. The words in his mind. The echoing voices of scholars debating Leviticus and 1 Corinthians and Romans. Because nothing else could help him place Jason in the holy or unholy category. Then the touch and those voices ceasing all at once. The moment that followed that. The years that followed that. The downturned faces of his family. The wet eyes of his mother. The firm frown of his father. The pamphlet handed to him as a suggestion pamphlet handed to him as an order. The white fingertips of his father holding it out to him. The paper shaking in midair. The one-on-one sessions. The group sessions. The tone of the voices. The insistence that he must have been conditioned by something that no one ever seemed to know what it was. 
the vague allusions to fire and the thoughts of a razor. The accidental encounters with other members outside the group. The eye contact that never happened. The written and filed reports of those encounters on threat of penalty. The words and the warnings and all the labors to fix him for him. His endless, endless, endless prayers. The silence of God. Listening for God. The silence of God. Thatcher did what they said. He did not do what God wanted him not to do. He did as God wanted and didn't do as he didn't because it was all he could do. Thatcher did not speak. Thatcher did not speak because what would he say? What would he say and who would he say it to? Thatcher did see Dennis's face every day, and Malcolm too, and Calvin, and Heather, and when he did see his youth group, he did know he could say nothing. He could say nothing because he could not lose them. He looked at Timothy. He could not lose them. He did not know how the campers would look at him if they knew, and he did not have the heart to even ask himself that question. He did not think he would survive it. So he did not speak, and he did not stop needing to speak, and he did not speak. He did not speak a word of it. And he did not know how Timothy knew the name. He did not want to think about it, but he did not know why he didn't. He did not know what had caused Timothy to end up in the nurse's office, but he did wonder what it was, and he did find between the wonderings and obscurities some feeling that he could not name. He did not know what had caused Judith to be wounded, left pale and catatonic on the bathhouse floor, but he could not stop himself from asking why it happened on the same night as Timothy's attack, and when he did ask the question, he did hear a silence. A silence that he could feel seemed almost to answer the question for him. Thatcher did not know what that meant, and he did not know how Timothy knew, and he did not know what had happened the previous night, and he did not know if he wanted to know, because what he did know of the events told him things that couldn't be true, and a voice he could not place seemed to echo them every time, and all he did know was that he would rip his heart out. Thatcher! He did turn. The door was open. Malcolm looking out. Thatcher did look down. Away from his eyes. Y yes Yes? Could I trouble you to get some water for Judith? Yeah, uh, of, of course. Um, no, no um, uh, problem. Much obliged. Thatcher, you go get yourself some sleep, honey. You don't look yourself. 
Molly, can I talk to you outside for a sec? Okay. Uh, Do you want me to finish cleaning the cabin? No, thank you. Just come with me. Okay. Uh, One sec. Hey, what's up? So, I've heard from Calvin and from some of the other counselors that you and Shane have been, um, a little buddy-buddy lately. Oh? Yeah, and I heard you guys have been running off to this, this old cabin or building or something by the lake more than once, calling it a love shack, something like that. Is that, is that true? Am I correct? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Right. So, what kind of stuff do you do in this cabin? In this, uh, this love shack? Uh, I I don't. We're not, it's not... It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to tell me. I think I, I have a decent idea already. Listen, Molly. Shane is a very nice boy. A very kind boy. And I'm sure you think he sees something in you, but is this really what you want? Sure, he may think he wants it, and I'm sure you want it, but it's not what God wants, okay? God wants you to treasure your body, treasure your love. Not give it away to someone just because your sinful impulses get the better of you. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want you to be that kind of woman. The kind of woman you're being right now, and frankly, that it sounds like you've been for a while. What? What? Okay. He doesn't want that for you, and neither should you. I mean, do you want to be the woman God wants you to be? Or the kind that Shane wants you to be? God? Right. God wants you to value your body as much as he does. The body he made, that he he knit in the womb. And he didn't give you that body so you could give it away? To give away the body he bled and died for? Do you think he's happy to see you give that away to someone who won't appreciate it like he does? No. But the kind of woman you're acting like right now, the kind of woman who, you know, runs off, gives her body away to some random guy for cheap, indulges in lust, I mean, that's what Shane is going to want you to be, and he can't help that, okay? That's just his body developing. It's just how boys are. It's just how he is at this age. And when you do this, All you're doing is being a stumbling block for him and his faith while weakening your own at the same time. I know. And not just him, but what would your future husband think if you told him that you ruined yourself for him before marriage just because because some boy you liked looked at you, right? You don't want to have to tell your future husband that, do you? No. I mean, would he even still marry you after that? Think about what you're risking here. I mean, don't you want to have a happy marriage? I I do. Well, if you do, 
then why are you off with Shane in the love shack? I mean, that's my first thought when I see this. I just, uh, I don't get it. I, uh, I, um... Molly, God loves you. He loves you far, far more than any boy will. And he thinks you're more valuable than that. Do you? Yes. Okay. Well, maybe start acting like it then. That's all. Okay. Here. Here are some verses that I think might help. I wrote them down for you. Right. Um, thanks. Of course. Anytime. You can always talk to me about this. Okay. See you around, Molly. Sam caught the frisbee. He held it without looking at it, then threw it to Thatcher. Thatcher passed it to Caleb. Caleb passed it to Valerie. Timothy had had no color in his face. His body had been limp and pale. He had said no words, but he had had his inhaler. Sam had seen it on the cabin floor as Timothy was being carried away. Dennis had said he was holding it when Thatcher first found him. It had been in his hands, and it was a new inhaler that Timothy had gotten the previous week. been in his Sam caught the frisbee again he looked down at it as if forgetting what it was the cries of his team were urgent he threw it to Caleb and it had been the same night the same night he saw Shane and Molly and they had looked at him Shane's face had been looking downward. Molly's face was covered by her hair and she had grabbed his foot. Shane had looked at him. When Shane looked at him, his eyes were green. Shane's eyes were brown. But that night, Shane's eyes were... Sam caught the frisbee. Or his hands did. It was almost automatic. He searched, tried to remember who was on his team. There were voices raising all around him. He threw it to Valerie. And it had been the same night as well. The same night something else had happened to Judith. 
Heather said it might have been an animal encounter. Some of the girls had said it had been a random anxiety attack. Calvin said it was probably dehydration and he didn't say it a second time. Whatever it was, Malcolm had come to camp. Malcolm had come to camp and the girls on the bench had told Sam they had maybe heard screaming during the night and another sound they didn't know how to describe. One of them called it crunching or something wetter than that. The other one just cried and cried and... Sam caught the frisbee. Or the frisbee struck him in the hand. It had connected with his palm directly. Absorbing all its momentum into the skin. It didn't hurt but probably should have. Instead it just made his hand go numb. He threw it to somebody else. Timothy had had his inhaler, but it did not save him. Judith had been severely hurt, but no one seemed to know how or why. And it was all on the same night Molly had been in the cabin with Shane, and Shane wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't tell Sam the truth. And Molly did not seem to care. And Judith did not have the capacity for speech. Timothy had said no words, but did that mean he had nothing to say? Sam! Sam, over here! Over Throw here! It already, man! Come on! The disc was cross and slanted in his idle hands. They were barely even holding it. Sam looked at it and was tired of catching it. So he threw it to the first teammate he saw. And he decided what he was going to do. Oh! No! Oh my gosh, Sam, are you serious? Sam looked up. The disc had landed in the end zone behind him, scoring for the opposing team. The teammate had been an opponent. The game ended. Sam turned to his left, walked toward the end of the canteen building. Affixed to the side of the building was the nurse's office, two doors with white crosses on red squares. He reached the first door. Hello? I... I know he's probably not feeling great, but... I was hoping I could talk to Timothy for a sec. I'm just really concerned about him right now, and I just wanted to make sure he's okay. Uh, let me ask him. Can you get someone outside who wants to talk to you? Do you feel up to it? Okay, I'll let him know. Yeah, come on in. The nurse opened the door fully. Sam entered. His eyes adjusted to the beige and green hues of the room. A humidifier hummed next to Timothy as he lay on the cushioned table. Sam pulled up a chair next to him. The nurse left the room. 
Timothy. Um, how are you feeling? Do your uh, lungs feel okay? Getting there. When do you think you'll be back outside? I don't know. Did you hear about Judith? Yeah. Pretty crazy, huh? Timothy looked at Sam immediately. He looked at Sam with a face unlike a face. It was more like an object. What do they think happened to her? Well, they really aren't sure. No one is. They think maybe an animal attacked, I guess, like a bear or something, though I didn't even think bears were. What do you think? Sam tried to meet Timothy's eyes. He did, but could not answer. So he asked instead. What do you... You know, I know you, you told me that your asthma was mostly stress activated. And I've been thinking, been wondering what may have triggered your attack. Sam? Would you believe me if I said that, if I said that, that I hadn't been alone in the cabin? What? What? What do you mean? Please, Timothy. The whole camp's scared to death about this. We we just want to know the, the truth. The truth? Timothy shook his head. He looked at nothing looking at something. His lip quivered when he opened his mouth. Something horrible is in the woods, Sam. Malcolm Gray stepped out of the other room. Excuse me, boys. He walked past them, exiting through the other door. He left the first door open. pale hand dangled visibly. 
he stepped toward the door, put his hand on it. He pushed. stared at the grass. He wanted to go back in. He wanted to know the truth. But would he survive the truth? Look alive, Sam! It struck his shoulder hard. Its momentum glided back to the ground, leaving his upper arm tingling, almost numb. But he could still feel the pain. I'm telling you, I saw the whole thing through the window. She did it by the window? Why did she do that by the window? Attention, probably. Make sure everyone in the cabin sees it. Oh my gosh. Molly spooned some mashed potatoes into her mouth. She looked around her. Listened. Well, that's something, isn't it? How do people react? Like, everyone inside, I mean. I guess, like, part shock, part laughter? Because I was like... Is anyone else seeing this right now? And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, you know, Valerie, outside, right there. Then they turned around and saw everything. And I mean everything. Did any counselor see it? No, thank God. She listened to the girls around her. I feel like that takes, like, you know, like, coordination or something. To do what Valerie did? Yeah, like, can you... Like, I can't bend that way. Oh my gosh. She listened to their voices. What cabin was it in? She's in six. Cabin... Cabin six, I think. Uh, Whichever one is sort of back in the forest a bit, like, further away, next to ours. The one by the lake trail? Talk about risky. One of the boys could easily have seen it from there. Molly said nothing. She looked down and kept eating. 
probably nothing they haven't seen before, from what I hear. Molly stopped. Her spoon hung midair, then lowered. She looked up, looked around her. There was a faint shimmer on her eyes. Really? She's... like that? Yeah, she's... you know. She looked at the face of the one talking. The words were distant, at a disconnect. It was like her lips were moving too slow to be saying the words Molly was hearing. Molly tried to keep her face in focus. She tried to understand the words. Not much of that body is a secret. Molly's vision faded. She felt her tongue and teeth moving towards. But she felt her friend. Then it came back, vision manifesting again. She saw her mashed potatoes, her spoon. She saw the dining tables and the windows of the dining hall. She saw the girls around her, looking at her with wide, wide eyes. She looked from side to side as if for a reminder of what she had said, or what her mouth had said. She saw nothing but the same wary expressions. What? What is it? Nobody replied. They just stared at her. Then they looked back down at their trays, ate in silence. Shane, it's time for guys' class. I'm not going. What? Why not? I'm not going. Seriously? You've been sitting in bed like all day, just laying there. What's the deal? Alright, suit yourself. Don't be surprised if Calvin comes in here and makes you get up, though. Shane lay in his bunk. He stared at the ceiling. The days are coming when all titles and creeds will be rendered useless will fall to the side like the petals from a blossom. Coming is the time when the virtuous will say unto themselves, I follow the way of life and the way of the righteous. 
yet still my flesh burns with plague. No one will raise their voice to cry, Help me, or God save me. No one will escape the eye that beholds them, nor the hand that follows them. Their kind will be scattered like rats in a cave. Shane squeezed the sheets of his bunk. He felt them closely, felt and remembered. He closed his eyes, saw things, pictured things, and his hands held the sheets tightly. Wanted to hold something else. As he heard it again. You have heard that it was said, The Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But truly I tell you, on that day, all will turn their faces to the sky and say, What is this burning within me? This fire springing up within my loins, and my flesh burns, though I said it did not. My skin sweats and simmers, though I thought I was safe. Their bodies will be cast in with the rest of them, and those who thought themselves safe will be overtaken in their ignorance. For this is what the prophet has written. It is the only way to get Timothy to see me. You must have taken advantage of his bodily weakness and give it over to me. Shane sat up. He reached down into his bag. Found his Bible. He opened it to a page Dennis had recommended to him. He opened it with trembling hands. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Truly, I tell you, to hide is a worse sin than to never have fallen at all. Those who hide will bolt their doors shut and will say, I have locked my door. I am not in danger lies without? Or who can come and conquer my domain? Who is able to tear down walls that are built as high as my own? It is these who will find their doors broken in and their windows shattered, rendering them helpless. It is those who will look behind themselves and say, I have lied to myself and to my king. It is I who will suffer that which I gave up. Already many have fallen to this danger. Many have looked around themselves and found it waiting behind them. And what was said through the prophet Shane was fulfilled. Yes, very relations with a woman and there is an omission of semen, 
Both of them must bathe with water, and they will be unclean until evening. Truly, I tell you, the days are numbered, and the end approaches near. Cast down your hymns and your idolatry, for a time will come when what you have not given to it will be taken from you nonetheless. Those who knew their king and followed its pathway, committing their bodies to its service, truly they know already the reward that awaits them. They know the light burden and easy yoke, the abundant hills and warm fountains between sprawled open before them. But I tell you that those who have done nothing for it will know none of these things. And the lot that is to others a great feast will taste as bitter acid on their tongue. It will be as blood filling their lungs and intestines in the due penalty for their faithlessness to fulfill what was said through the prophet Shane. See, I'm on his good side. I make sure that once it comes, I have it. Shane gasped for air. Your right eye causes you to stumble. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. But every verse just made the voice louder. I tell you all of these things that you prepare for its presence. For it approaches at this very moment, coming for initiated and uninitiated life. For tainted, sinless, and pure sinner is always present within. But because many denied it and refused to follow its way, it became present also without. This is the one about whom it is written. You're just scared. You're just a Shane covered his face with his hands. His tears were warm against his palms. He breathed in, then out. Then he lay back, flat on his bunk, and retrieved a sock he had worn on Sunday. sides of his face. He felt it coming. The eyes of 144,000 campers blazed before him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God, please, God, no, God, no, he felt 
something coming. Shane opened his eyes. He looked down at his body. Sam read the verses. Sam read the verses over and over again. He read them for an answer. For the truth. For the truth that would make sense of it all. Of everything that he had seen and heard. But the more he read, the worse he felt. Okay, next question. Molly sat halfway between the front and back of the chapel. There was no one sitting next to her. She watched as Heather and Leah took turns drawing paper slips from a bowl between them, conducting a Q&A instead of a sermon for gender-divided class. Okay, so this is a good question. It says, why aren't women allowed to preach in the Church of Christ? Yeah, that's, um, a good question. Well, as you all know, Church of Christ is big on following scripture to an absolute T. You know, it's kind of what makes our belief system. We follow the Bible before we follow anything else. That's why we're so big on interpreting the original Greek, so big on tracing verses back to their original context and meaning. And in the Bible, there's no basis for um, women preaching. In fact, sometimes it actually says that, like, there are verses that say, by honoring a man over yourself and submitting to him, it could even bring him closer to God. First Peter chapter three, it says that by being submissive to your husband, if he, if he doesn't believe in God's word, he may be won over to doing so by your behavior, by the way you treat him. So really, it's another form of Christ-like love because it's self-sacrifice. It's lifting up someone else by, you know, by putting yourself below them, like placing his needs above yours. And that's what God always wants us to do. He wants everyone to love like that, like he does. So it's not really a bad thing that women aren't allowed to preach. It's actually kind of beautiful, you know? So that's pretty much why. Heather folded the paper slip, discarded it. Leah reached in, drew another one. Okay, this one says, is it true that if you save yourself for marriage, your marriage will be better? <laughs> Molly blinked. She looked around. People seemed to be murmuring, giggling, turning around at each other, but she wasn't sure. She couldn't quite hear them. 
Or if she could, it didn't feel like she did. She scanned across the room. Everything was just slightly, slightly shimmering. Right. Uh, so? Things seemed to flicker. Dark and light. Her vision felt frail. Thin. Each time she opened her eyes, everything just looked more wrong. What I'd say to this is... She watched Leah speaking, exerted herself to follow each individual word, to strengthen the meaning. She felt her hand raising something more. The short answer is... But then lines and sense fell away. came back into focus. The last few people were leaving the chapel, and no one was on stage anymore. Molly was still sitting in the pew. A few girls stood in front of her, looking down at her with a strange expression. It was unlike the way they had looked at her during lunch. Molly stared at them for a while before she determined that the expression was fear. What? Why are you guys looking at me like that? Why did you ask those questions? Um, I'm sorry, I don't... I don't remember what I asked. I... I wasn't feeling well. What questions was I asking? Just bad questions. Y you were asking bad questions. What were the questions, though? No one spoke. They all looked down at the chapel floor. Then they turned away and left her sitting in the pew, alone. The game continued. The volleyball went from one side of the net to the other. Sam stood closer to the back of the field. He watched his teammates playing, lunging and jumping. 
He wasn't moving. Sam was trying to remember the verses. He was trying to remember the verses he had read. Watch out! Molly stepped backward, toward him. He moved out of the way. She watched the ball headed toward her, leapt up and struck it. Sam watched her body go into the air, watched it come back down. He watched her body shuffle from side to side. Sam tried to remember the verses. He tried to picture what the words had been. The game continued. Molly stepped quickly forward. She moved rapidly, anticipating the ball's trajectory as her hair fell in black flurries on her shoulders. She jumped in anticipation, but didn't reach the ball. Sam watched her body move. verses. He tried again to picture the words, the phrases on the page. Tried to envision what shapes they were. He tried to remember what they had sounded like in his head. The game continued. Molly turned around briefly as the ball was retrieved. She pulled her t-shirt down tighter over her body. Sam watched her do it. He watched the fabric become taut, disrupted only in a few places. Sam looked at the places. Tried not to see it. Tried instead to recall the verses that he had read just an hour or two before. Had read carefully and repeatedly. But he could not. He could not recall them. Oh, sorry, Sam. Sam felt something touch him and he opened his eyes to see Molly brushing past. He looked up, blinked, 
but he felt he did not know what to look at, what to put his attention on. He stared at nothing, and it did not feel like any of it was real. He turned and looked at Molly. She was panting, readying herself. He watched her chest rise and fall. eyes. Closed them tighter. He clamped his eyes shut to keep out the volleyball game and to keep out the things he saw under his eyelids, and he tried desperately and painfully to see those verses. The verses he had read but could not picture. He shut his eyes so tightly it hurt. The game continued. Sam heard the ball pounding back and forth. He opened his eyes slowly. The ball glanced off the net, landed and rolled in Sam's direction, stopped. Molly came forward. I got it! She bent to pick it up. She straightened her back and bent. Sam watched. He watched her for as long as it took her. Something Sam walked quickly from the volleyball field once the game was over. He lifted his camel back off the ground tried to fasten it back on himself as he walked quickly past the basketball court, and he saw Molly in the distance, and he looked at her body and then turned away, looked at the basketball court over his shoulder, saw Grace's body lunging, and... Sam stopped. He looked forward at the thicket of trees he was facing. They were distant, a number of yards away, but he had seen them move. He had seen something moving in them. Sam's feet turned around, began walking away. But his head could not move, could not turn his eyes elsewhere. He staggered his way backwards, then swung around, stumbling more than walking, in a direction his body seemed to choose at random. 
He looked up, saw a circle of campers playing frisbee in the central field. He hastened past the corner of the basketball court, quickened his pace. He reached the circle quickly in a near sprint. What up, Sam? Hey. You all right? Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm fine. Serve! And the disc passed from one to the other. It transferred perpetually from hand to hand like a communion tray. Barely caught that one. Gotta look alive! Sam turned away from them. He looked at the trees in the distance. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. I got that one. There we go. The name of the game, man. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Don't throw it into the trees again. It's fine. I brought like five of them with me. You brought five frisbees? Of course. How are we going to do camp without frisbee? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I'll probably bring it out after Devo as well. Even then? Of course. Did the same thing last year on the mission trip. Tradition is tradition. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Sam stood up, made his way past the circle, walked in the direction of the... The frisbee struck him in the shoulder. Ah, sorry, Sam. Here, come join us, man. Sam shook his head without turning. Oh, come on. Why don't you ever want to play? Why do you always want to? It... Uh, it's fun? I don't know. Fun? I... I don't know. It's a good time. It's just, like, what you do at camp. Why? It's just what we do. It, it's what we always do. Do we need a reason? Sam headed straight for the chapel. Sam walked between pews. Sam walked down the aisle. Sam walked to the edge of the stage, just in front of the podium, and fell onto his face. The words bled from him as tears. Father, Father, 
What is it? What is this place? What am I to you? Sam prayed. I lick the dust of thine earth. I hunger only for you. I await you with burning flesh and flame-licked soul. With a heart flayed by the uncompromising lash of your silence. It is my punishment and due penalty. Your refusal is the holy crack of your whip on my unholy, unworthy, unbaptized flesh. But please, please, I cannot bear your silence any longer. I cannot bear it any longer. I have walked the earth weeping. I have felt the bites of your denial. I have felt my soul searing with the burn of your apathy. But I falter before you, my lord. I falter under the weight of your punishment. And sin is among me. It hunts me. It finds me in the darkness where your light shines not, and leaves me helpless to my own wicked ways. But for you, for you I would shed this skin in all its despicable cravings and lay it at your wounded feet. I have nothing in my arms but your absence, and I long to relinquish it forever. I came here for Pentecost. I came here for your call, your desire, a desire I hoped would be for me, but your desire is never for me, and I'm left with my own, for you, for you, for you, for her and her, for you again, all unfulfilled, broken cisterns, a vapor beginning and ending with nothing, for we never were to begin with. We would not let ourselves be, and thus we stumbled forth with a blind man's vague conception of what path we follow. Going where? Glorifying what? Worshipping who? You are my only, highest, sovereign love. I will repeat it however many times you need. I will raise my voice cracking voice in the choir of an endless song over and over a holy drone continued endlessly until it resembles something like praise held up to your silent throne i will walk the ashes of that untended garden that you burned but that screams forever unrelenting while its reanimated corpse walks the night if you so desire it i will become a frame in that tapestry of stagnation let color fall from my eyes and become another gray shape in that legion without personage but do you do you desire it
Is this your light burden? Easy yoke. Is this for what you wrenched me from dust and threw me in the direction of this camp? Is this what you died for? Did you truly die for me? Did you ever truly love me? What am I to do? What spring lies here for me? What path do you ask that I follow? Please, show me your will. And without question, I will follow it. Sam raised his trembling head. Is your will for me? There was no reply. 